You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good evening, Church and Center. So the man who's supposed to be preaching right now is probably at home puking instead. David, that's disgusting. Well, a family that pukes together sticks together. All right. I'm just saying. So, um, it's too late. He already did it. Started that way. So, uh, what we're going to do is you're going to get, instead of cliff notes, it's like uh, KJ a David notes of this morning's sermon. Because we both went to worship this morning, heard the sermons, and, uh, and when Krista called and said, hey, Jason's sick, I said, well, man, I, I love the sermon this morning. I heard several things that I'd never heard before, and I'd be happy to get up and, you know, just say those for a few minutes. And uh, I asked KJ before the service, hey, could you help me kind of go through Bob's notes and just whittle them down, you know, make them, make them more church listener? Because he is highly gifted at taking a lot of verbosity and making it two sentences. What does verbosity mean? See what I'm saying? So I'm not that smart. I don't uh, know what verbosity means. A lot of verbs. <laughs> so he, uh, he, he was said some really cool things. And I just looked and said, man, why don't you come up here and do this with me tonight? Because it was really cool. The first half of the sermon this morning really stuck with him and his thoughts all afternoon. And the second half really stuck with me. So you're going to get the summary of the first half, summary of the second half, with a really smooth transition, right? Yeah, it'll probably be I sit down and you stand back up if you want to sit here and then... That's perfect. All right, great. Cool. Hey, look at that. Transition. Hey, all right. Okay, so uh, this is weird because I don't do this a lot and I didn't know that I was doing this, but uh, here we go. So um, tonight we are talking about Luke. If you didn't know, we'll be in the Gospel of Luke pretty much until Easter, um, and we've been in the Gospel of Luke since December, so we're going to go through 24 of, was 28 chapters or something? Wow. You're going to get a lot of Luke, which is awesome, because you're going to get a lot of Jesus stories, which, I mean, he's kind of a big deal, uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. So what we're about to read is we're about to read um, when Jesus and John the Baptist first break onto the scene. So they've been born, we've done that, we did the whole Christmas thing, hooray, it's a new year, it's time to really dig into what's going on. So in this passage, you're presented with two types of baptism. You're presented with water baptism and spirit baptism. And I think that this is really cool because, uh, so John, he is like, he's the classic prophet. In fact, um, some of the people that say earlier in Luke, they say, oh, this baby will be filled with the spirit of Elijah, who is a powerhouse in the Old Testament. All of the Jews, anybody who knows anything knows who Elijah is. And they're getting pumped because they know that when Elijah comes back, that means the Messiah is coming soon. So before we kind of dive into this, I wanted to, to break down what the difference is between water and spirit baptism, um, because that's really what we're going to be talking about. So Water baptism, the baptism, obviously, with water, uh, comes like this. Uh, first off, humans do it. Um, they, they are the, the baptizers, if you will. Um, and there are some other points. Regina, if you will click through them, I'm going to rely on you because I don't, I don't have this memorized. I didn't write this. Uh, there is water involved. Yep, that's a, a bullet point that was made. Oh, there's a, there's a other side, too. Check this out. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to keep going like this. Repentance of sins. And initial cleansing. I think that is all for them. Okay, great. So the water baptism. Uh, humans do it. Uh, there's a form of water. 
the big, the big point in water baptism is that you are repenting, that you are literally pulling a 180 and moving away from your sins. And there's this initial cleansing. So that's kind of your first step in becoming a Christian and living that Christian life is, all right, I'm in it to win it. I'm in it for Jesus. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get baptized by water because it is a public declaration of my intent. Now, the spirit baptism is different, but it doesn't take away from the water baptism. In fact, it enhances and moves it deeper. So the spirit baptism, Jesus does the work. So humans, like we pastors and people will say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The spirit baptism, Jesus is like, I got this. Be baptized in my spirit. Um, in the, the story, when Jesus gets baptized, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes down and alights upon Jesus. And I think one of the things that we take that to mean is when you're baptized by the Spirit, there will be signs manifested in some way, in some form, in some fashion. It may not be a dove, although if it is, holla at me. I would love to hear that story. Um, so yeah, so there's, there's this powerful infusion of the Holy Spirit, and it's a deeper purification. So it's if at first you're like, I'm, I'm rejecting this life of sin that I used to live. When you get baptized by the Spirit, you're like, I'm going deeper into who Jesus is. In fact, I'm becoming more like Christ daily because of the work of the Spirit. So uh, that's kind of what that's about. And I think there are some scriptures that we can dive into really what we're talking about coming from Luke chapter 3. three. Two and three, yeah. Um, so let me, uh, let me read this. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, you brood of snakes. What a great greeting, by the way. Be like, yo, what's up, Rich? You a straight up snake. <laughs> All right, cool. So that's John. So he says, you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee from God's coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of trees. This is a violent dude. Woof. Okay. Uh, Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds ask, what should we do? John replied, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even uh, corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, teacher, what should we do? He replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John said, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. So that's a lot. The thing that stuck out to me was John is a very, very loud, aggressive person. So, all right, let's get that out of the way. But I think what's unique is, so all of these people come to John. All these people are like, all right, John, we know that you're the man. We know that you're doing something cool. We want to be a part of it. What do we got to do? And John, he doesn't just say this blanket statement for everyone. He says, look, soldiers, here's what you got to do. You got to be cool with your lot in life. You got to be cool with how much you're getting paid. He says, tax collectors, stop ripping people off. Just do your job. Do it honestly, and you'll be okay. He says, if you got a little extra Share it, because you probably don't need the extra. It's fine. Just be content with what you have, right? But he, he caters his response to each person, to each group of people, and he says, this is what you have to do. Now come and be baptized. In our tradition today, water baptism is still really important. And we have these questions that we ask anybody who wants to get baptized uh, that come from the earliest 
parts of our church history. So we're going to throw these questions up, and, and, I, and I love, love these questions. So they go like this. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sins? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord? Every time somebody is baptized and I hear those questions, okay, Lord, Am I still there? I mean, it, it, it's yeah. like a recommitment every time I watch somebody get baptized. Absolutely. Every time I have the privilege of going to a wedding and I, and I hear those traditional vows, I hear, do you take this person to be your spouse, to love and to cherish, to have and to hold? Every time I'm like, Sarah's right here. Yes, yes, yes. I recommit these things to you. And that's one of the most beautiful things about tradition in the church. That's one of the most beautiful things about things that are handed down to us from generation to generation is every time you hear it, you're reminded if you've been baptized, yes, I make these vows. And you're reminded of that time that you were baptized. And you're like, I was there. I was in those shoes. And I'm so excited for that person to grow and to, and to help them along that path. So, friends, if you, I'm just going to say this right now. If you have any interest at any point in getting baptized, talk to David. Talk to Krista. Don't talk to me. I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm so She's dumb. the right Reverend Rosenbaum yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, wait, where, where did you go? Where she? Oh, All she's right. back there. Oh, she's in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So talk to them. No, don't talk to me. Oh, Jim's here? Can you talk to Jim? <laughs> no, <Nah>, yeah. <laughs> Jim's just passing. He's like, no, she can take care of it. It's good. So, yeah, because that's the first step, and that's such a big step, and we want to celebrate with you guys. So if you haven't ever done that, please come talk to them. So anyway, so, so the, the water baptism is huge. Sorry, I'm about, I'm about to tag you in. The water baptism is huge, but one of the things, one of the reasons that we love the gospel of Luke is that every week you should hear some story about how God's agenda is new and it's different. And he's looking at the outsiders and he's saying, I'm including you in my story. And he's bringing in, Luke is bringing in the Holy Spirit. He says, look, you guys don't know it yet, but the Holy Spirit is awesome. And you guys got to know about it. In fact, I'm going to write this down in a way that people will be able to hold on to this reality of the Holy Spirit. So in the spirit of doing things new, you've got John who comes in, who's like a prophet they have never seen before, but he's familiar because he's still a prophet. So like, it's, God's like saying, look, I'm going to do something new, but I'm going to make it accessible for you. Okay, so it's like, I, I know that you guys get prophets. I know that you have books upon books upon books upon books about what the prophets have done and what they've said. So I'm going to make this familiar to you. But John's got a new message. And then Jesus hits the scene. And Jesus comes to John just like any other Joe. And he's like, hey, man, I got to get baptized. And John's like, Jesus, what are you doing? You're the one we're waiting for. Why are you? I don't understand. Why are you doing this? And John is kind of, he's like a low-key crazy person. Low-key? Right, okay. No, he's a major crazy person. He's like, he's hanging out in the wilderness. He doesn't ever bathe. He's eating locusts and honey. He's a weirdo. He just, he just is. The Bible is full of Holy weirdo. Yeah. Holy. yeah, he's a holy weirdo, but he's a weirdo. So, so all these people, so Jesus comes and he's like, John is like, dude, I can't baptize you. You should baptize me. And he's like, yo, it's coming. But I got to do this because Jesus, see, leads us from water baptism into spirit baptism. And as I take these steps over here and David steps up, you're about to hear what that transition means. How, how John fulfills, uh, sorry, how Jesus fulfills what John does. That was smooth. Thanks. Wow. See why I asked him to get up and talk? Mm. Now I get to be the peanut gallery. 
and anybody else join in. So, because we're about to talk. Oops, sorry. Are you kidding me? That's bad to kick the offering basket. <laughs> All right. Kicking money. That's bad. We better get back to scripture. Luke 3.21. So, man, Jesus himself got baptized. Wow. I mean, he, maybe he did that just to show us to approve it, right? It's worth but it. But then, not only was he in the water, but one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The words we all want to hear from our parents. It was done publicly. There's a lot in that little passage. I mean, you know the thing that blows me away? Even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. I don't know that I fully get that. The Holy Spirit's kind of an elusive concept, unseen challenge in our lives. We've got so many thoughts about the Holy Spirit and what that does mean and doesn't mean, and denominations fight about it, and people get upset and wigged out talking about the Holy Spirit sometimes. He can really, what was that word you used, young man? He's scary and wonderful. So uh, there's this great passage in Isaiah that kind of backs up uh, what I just said. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Messiah. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. Wow, this, this is, I mean, this is describing what the spirit is. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as Proverbs says. So... They're all, oh God, boy, the signs of the Spirit. We get worked up about that. I'll just say where I stand on that, all right? I believe all the gifts of the Spirit are alive and well. And I don't think any, I don't think every person has to have any one gift of the Spirit. And we all have gifts. And we need to live them so that we will all have a wonderful unity and life together. All right? Now, having said that, I think 1 Timothy 1.7 gives the, the inward and the outward expression of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life that we all have in common, should have in common, work for. These are things that if somebody is living in the Holy Spirit, these things will exist in their life, okay? 2 Timothy 1.7, many of you have it memorized. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and discipline. Some versions say self-control, Some versions say power and timidity, or fear and timidity. The one I memorized said just fear. So, out of that verse, we're going to pull out four very distinct characteristics of somebody who's living in the Spirit. And remember, these are inner characteristics. They also exhibit themselves in outward ways sometimes. First is fearlessness. Wow. In all sorts of ways. Perhaps... You know, one of the biggest things that people fear, research has shown it, is speaking publicly. 
That's true. I'm terrified right now. Yeah. Every time. Every time I walk away thinking, why do they let me do that? That's um, also, I also think that about you. That, <laughs> as it should be. Yeah. All right. So the fear of people. I mean, I think part of the problem with part of the challenge of the fear of getting up and speaking in front of people is what do they think about me? And that's not just about public speaking, is it? It's in all sorts of realms. And Bob said something this morning I love. I'm not sure where he got it. You know, when you, when you really start living in the Spirit, you have an audience of one. And who is that one? God. God. If God is the only being you are trying to please, oh, it's such freedom from feeling, from caring about what other people think. I mean, you care about other people. It's just that their opinion of you does not harm nor build you up. Only God's opinion matters. My, my, one of my go-to verses is Psalm 3.3, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. Nobody else. It doesn't matter what anybody posts about me on Facebook, good or bad. It doesn't matter, Lord. You are my only one. And when you live in that fear, a lot of the other fears just kind of go away. So that you can risk getting up in front of people last minute and having fun, talking about Scripture, right? I mean, it's, it, we're getting to live what we're preaching right now. It's so fun. Love. Oh my, that's a sermon. That's a sermon series in and of itself, right? The greatest gift, the greatest exhibition of living in the Spirit is love. If you want to know more about love, read 1 Corinthians 13, memorize it, try to live it every moment of every day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, love. Mm. And then power. You know, I've, I've struggled with this power. Frankly, this is why I wanted to preach on this section tonight, or summarize, Kjavid version, tonight. Because this morning I heard something about power that I'd never heard before that really, oh, made it click for me. Because we've all watched too many movies, and we think of power as, uh, uh, you know, male dominance power. Uh, <laughs> That's why I'm not in the movies. But uh, the illustration Bob gave this morning was just great. Uh, how many of you drive cars? You ever driven when the power steering fluid was low? Yeah. Okay, so one time I was driving a bus full of people pulling a, a trailer full of canoes up a very steep hill. It's about a quarter of a mile hill. And at the, almost at the top of the hill, it ran out of gas. And that bus, when it runs out of gas, does not have power brakes or power steering. And the first thing I said was, folks, i got to back this thing back down the hill, and you all need to be silent and pray right now. Pray like you have never prayed before because all of our lives are in danger. And they, they knew I wasn't joking, right? It wasn't funny. I backed a bus with a trailer down a quarter of a mile hill and backed it into a driveway at the bottom of that hill. No cars came over the hill and no cars came up the hill on a very busy day. And I, I, I parked it, put on the brake, said, that was a miracle. Thank you for praying. 
right? I'm, and, and it didn't have power brakes. So you know what I was doing? I mean, I was, I was standing up trying to put, living our life without the Spirit, living our life in our own power. It, it just, it, it's hard to turn the wheel. It's hard to press on the brake. It's hard to do anything, and it's exhausting, and you get power. You get the power of the Holy Spirit. And all it takes to do the brakes is that. And all it takes to turn the wheel is this. Right? And all of a sudden, you're able to live with peace. That's power. Wow. Discipline. <laughs> no, wait, discipline. Discipline is the ability to actually attain what we are aiming, those deep gut, gut goals, the ones that the Lord reveals to us as we go. Hey, this is what you really want, so go that way. Okay, so I'm going to do discipline. Discipline is doing what I know I should do. Some versions call it self-control. Self-control is refraining from doing what I know I should not do. Those are David's definitions between those two words. Yeah. So you want, you want to know if you're living in the Spirit? Do you exhibit fearlessness? Is it growing more in your life? Is love growing more in your life? Because that's what the Spirit does. He grows these things in us. Is power growing in your life? The ability to give it up to Him and just relax and have fun. I'm having fun. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what power steering isn't. Yeah. I'm, I'm very young, so I've, I've never driven a car without power steering. Yeah, I know. I know. What a cush life I live. <laughs> I know. I get it. You can blog post about me later. It's fine. All right. You get it? Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating in a spirit risk, a faith risk tonight. And let's do some more worship, specifically <laughs> calling on the Holy Spirit to come. Take away the fear. Give us love. Give us power. Give us discipline. Yes, Father, come.